show. Welcome to another episode of So Mind Boggling Journeys. I am with uh, actress Wumi Fawara. Hi, Wumi. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Doing well. Happy post holidays. Yes, we're four, yeah. like five pounds up, but uh, all is well. We're blessed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I wanted to chat with you, and first I'll just say for the um, audience that Wumi and I met uh, because we recently worked on a short film that I had written called Hairbraid Miss, and Wumi plays uh, a woman by the name of Ade. And so I wanted to have Wumi on just to talk about, one, uh, what it was like playing Ade, and then also just what it's like in general to be an actress in New York City. So... So thank you again, and for one, for being on the interview, and also for playing the character of all day. Um, so just backtracking a little bit, um, what was that like for you, uh, playing that role um, in that, you know, she plays against my character, Barbara, who is a little rude and off-putting in the beginning of their, their encounter? Yeah, I mean, to, to preface um, why I was really pleased to um, – when I had the opportunity to play this role um, beforehand, it was so interesting because me, I'm a person um, who's a very proud Nigerian-American, and I do a lot of things with accents, with British accents, with African accents, but I realized I wasn't really documenting any of this um, on camera of me being able to do any of this stuff and, and share these kind of characters that I very much like identify with, you know, with the, the accent. So when this opportunity came, I was really elated to kind of be able to put that on the camera and show that subjectivity. And playing Ade um, was really fun because I feel like most of the time um, I'm, as Bumi, uh, the actress, I'm usually cast in like very super forward, fierce intellectuals, you know, maybe more on the like, political kind of side of things and kind of like that like rogue renegade kind of style and to play someone like Ade who's just definitely like a bold fierce woman but like just on the ground really colloquial person um in and of the city just like a regular ordinary person but with just like a lot of everyday hustle and vigor it was so different um than a character that I usually play so I first of all I was really um cool to just kind of play something very different than I usually play, but also getting the opportunity to show different aspects of this kind of African woman because, like, I feel like the main idea of African people, especially in the States, is either they're completely destitute, you know, needing aid from Americans or internationally, or they're like Lalapitos Nyangos, you know, very hyper-articulate or Chimamanda Gochi and DJ, like, um, I just messed up her name, Ngozi Adichie. <laughs> she has so many names. Um, this very super, you know, hyper articulate um, women, but to see, to see this kind of everyday woman um, and her ferociousness for life is it, it very, it was a very unique and wonderful experience. And I, I hope I was able to honor her. Yes. yes. Oh, so that's interesting. So you do find that a lot of um, uh, African roles for women are very stereotypical as either one or the other. Right. 
Right. It's like, oh, I have AIDS. <laughs> like, okay. okay, cool, you know. And then, like, even if they tip, it's like, okay, but it's stemmed in, like, a stereotype that's not even based in, like, a truth for many people. I think even still today, like, I'll, you know, I was in Nigeria earlier this year. I went um, this June, and I went for a big, massive wedding, and I was sending pics back, like, through Instagram to friends, like, hey. I'm in Nigeria, see you. And everyone was like, oh, my God, where are you? This looks like paradise. Oh, my God, this looks like the best party ever. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And it's Nigeria. It's in Lagos. And their shock of, like, in Africa, like, Nigeria. And it wasn't, like, everybody. But it, it was to, but to see the state of shock that they yeah. saw, like, really nice, well-made buildings. Um, it was available to many people. It wasn't, like, you know, like, a few elite Africans, like, no, a lot of people can have access to very nice things and, um, like, the malls, when I go to a mall in Nigeria, it's very, looks like an American mall, like, you know, it's that lack of um, connection to, again, like, that whole kind of everyday African, it's a serious disconnect internationally, so. um, Yes. And it is one of those functions of like when you haven't been somewhere, you uh, you just don't know. And it's just so easy for people to kind of rely on stereotypes and things that you've seen on TV, which, you know, never really is a true depiction of how a place really is, you know? Um, So, yeah, so that's interesting because, you know, I I didn't even know what I thought Nigeria would look like, actually. Um, So, and I I think also with Ade, it's really interesting because, a lot of people, they used to tease me when we were growing up, like, oh, what, you're a princess, you're this, you're that. And technically, a lot of Nigerians who are in the States or in England or wherever they are, they usually come from royal families. Like, there's many levels of that. But the fact that even if they come to the States, even if they were royal families in Africa, they might be working class families in America because they're starting with not their name. They're just starting from humble beginnings. And it's just like, okay, but how are you this, but then you're that. So it's kind of like, you know, jarring in that regard where you could be both of like this upper class, but then you're experiencing lower caste and like, and how are people perceiving that? And because um, some, someone like Ade, she could have, to even be in the States because there's so much political um, strife of like how to even get out of this out of Nigeria if you want to it's always like a hassle so you probably had to come from money so I think that's also another interesting aspect because Ade her being Harlem her kind of literally being on the streets every day for hours on men you know it's it's very different like for someone probably you know like your character you played um she's probably looking down on this character and it's just that the irony it was like she probably had to have money to even come to this country, <laughs> you know, or have a yeah. connection. It, I think that's so ironic. I think there's something really interestingly ironic about that. Yes, absolutely. And she was, you're right, my character was definitely looking down on um, Ade and people like Ade because, you know, she feels like, oh, my gosh, I see uh, I did every day outside, you know, asking people, you know, if they want to have their hair braided. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it, I guess like in American culture, it's kind of, um, it's kind of unfortunate, I guess, but in American culture, it's very much like, 
you, when you don't see people asking for things, you assume that they're doing better off, right? Because right. they don't have to. Right. They already have customers or people are coming to them directly. So it's kind of like, and I think it's also a New York thing, actually, too, that when people are kind of soliciting their services outside on the street, you just want to, like, get where you're going, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. please step to the side. Please get out of the way. No, if I needed something, I would come to you, like, leave me alone. You know, I think it's kind of a American culture, and in New York culture, to just kind of shun people who are trying to sell you something. It's almost like um, yeah. we're taught kind of, like, not to trust that, right? Right. Um, and so it's just funny in, in, in Africa, like it's usually the, uh, especially I'm, I'm going to talk more specifically, like, like Lagos, Nigeria, because that's from what I specifically know. Like, again, Africa's comprised of over 50 like countries right. <laughs> and it's like so different everywhere. But I, I feel like what's the colloquial thing about um, Nigeria specifically, like if anything, it's the, the soldiers, it's the, it's, the, it's the markets where you get the, the good stuff, you know? Like, you know where to go in the markets. You can get, like, you can go to the mall. Like, everyone can go to the mall. You might go to the movies. You might pick up some jewelry. But, like, a lot of the good deals for a lot of great quality stuff you could still find at the market. So, for us, people harassing you and, like, being in your face, like, oh, this is good. Like, you know, like, we will still look because you never know, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's so so it's not like complete like oh my god get out of my way it's just more of this like I'm gonna creep and then if you don't see what you like then you keep it moving. Just like being uh, being assertive, right? It's just it's yeah. on that end. It's just about like oh well, my job is to sell, so I'm gonna sell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? I, I I think a lot of things just um impact one another. Like when you like you know. When you see um, someone on the street, you naturally think, okay, well, they don't have many resources. You know, let me just avoid this person in the States. But it's just really ironic because um, most of the people, like, it's not even that they're trying to support themselves. They're, like, they're not only supporting their families, but they might be supporting their families internationally. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's like, okay, well, if they were just supporting themselves, they wouldn't even need that much. They wouldn't need to work extra. But now this might be their second job. You know, this might be their third. And just as Americans right now, we're feeling that. And, like, it's so interesting that we are looking down on what type of jobs people are doing as their additional jobs. But we're doing that right now as Americans. You know, some people are working four jobs. Some people are working three jobs. And um, and we don't think as Americans to another American usually, like, oh, this person is so destitute, uh, something's wrong with them, or things like that. We just think, oh, they're hardworking, they have good ethic, and they're making ends meet. But I don't think um, we give enough um, due uh, respect or, um, you know, equivalence to what we do to what other immigrant families or people coming into the country, if they're doing the same thing, we kind of still, I, I think there's this ideology, like, I need a, I need to feel better by putting someone else down. Yeah. And I think we're, I think they're just like, as an international community, like immigrants are easy targets. Um, and, and, and so it always has been that thing in that way. And I, I think it's something we should definitely examine more because the things that we're dealing with in our, you know, country with how, you know, you know, Medicare is going, how the way things are when it comes to pension, when it comes to these things, and we're working extra to make ends meet. I mean, your character, she's working really hard and trying to 
find opportunities her way, and she is not coming easy. You know, maybe there was a time things came easy, and and I think if anything, the the short film was also a reflection of like we're all in it together. We're all kind of struggling. Like no one is better than other, like than the other, and no one's really like better off who's of the working and middle class or middle upper class because we're we're all working our ass off. <laughs> so you yeah. can't really knock someone's hustle. Um, but we, I just, I think it's so interesting how we just view it differently because we're like, oh, okay, well, if they're sending money to back to Africa, then they must be so poor. It's like, no, they're brilliant. They're gifted. They have all the tools. They're just not having job opportunities. Like, oh, in America, we're brilliant. We're gifted. We're the most educated. Black women in this country are the most educated group in America right now. You know, young millennials right now and older millennials, like we are the most educated group as well. Well, are we able to have enough for retirement? Are we, do we have, you know, enough job opportunities as a whole? No, we don't. And it's our government. And it's the same thing internationally. Like, that's why they're sending money home. They, their government is, is not really helping their job prospects and opportunities to getting what they're worth. Yes. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned retirement because that has been – the main thing on my mind <laughs> lately really? is, oh my gosh, Wumi. And I think it's because, you know, we're, we're artists, right? And we're on this crazy yeah. journey. This is so mind-boggling. <laughs> so mind-boggling. Yeah, that's real. And it's so real. And, you know, what happens is, you know, we can work on all these different projects, right? All these different films and web projects and and, and plays and readings and such, you know, and it's about, you know, making sure that you're still moving forward, right? And in this business, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like you could be working on all these things, you know, but they're not necessarily pushing you forward to the next thing in your career kind of thing. And what mm. is moving forward for sure are the years, you know? And so it's like you find yourself getting older and you're like, okay, I'm getting older and yeah, I worked on all these great projects, but you know, sometimes uh, these projects are kind of like one and done, you know, and it's just about now, for me at least, figuring out like, okay, well, I need to be thinking about, you know, what is life going to look like 10 years from now, you know, because I really do enjoy all the projects I'm working on. I enjoy being an artist, but I'm also like, but I'm also, you know, getting older and because we don't have traditional jobs, right, where there's already a built-in, you know, a system in place that's collecting funds from a paycheck, you know, and, right, you know, right. so that when we get to a certain age, it'll be right there. Um, that means that we have to do it for ourselves, you know, and so yeah. that has just been the top, like literally top of mind for me right now in terms of like saving for retirement and just saving for, you know, the the, the you know, the time that's going to come where I'm, I, you know, I, the time where it, that kind of stuff is going to matter. You know, I feel the same way about healthcare too, you know, it's like, mm. you know, thank God that we are healthy, you know, but there's going to be a time when our health, you know, maybe gets compromised as we get older. And so it's just putting things into place so that we can take care of ourselves, um, you know, as artists, you know, so that's just been, that has been something I can, I've been obsessed about really, actually. (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, I hope you don't give too worried to like, where you're like, oh my God, I can't do anything. You know, but yeah, no, no, you're right. Right. 
No, you're right, because yeah. you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to, uh, what is it called, like, uh, you know, bring something in that you don't want energetically. Definitely don't want that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, do you, th- do you think about that or just not yet? I know you're, you're no, younger, I, too, though. So. I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, hey, I'm about to be 29 in December. It's coming up, <laughs> December 10th. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but um, here is. This is what I think about all of this. Um, I think, for the most part, I think about this stuff pretty much, like, on a weekly basis, and only because um, I'm just a person who I, – I, my main jobs outside of performing are really in freelance. So I'm constantly just checking in, like, where am I at financially? Am I, you know, able to make – what I feel that makes me comfortable and am I also meeting my just general means? And then from outside of that, I see if there's anything else and I'm almost like, well, what can I do to now invest in my future? Um, sometimes I think about, okay, maybe I'll put this towards an IRA. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll put this towards just like saving travel money because for me that is health and wellness, like therapy for me, like being able to, <laughs> escape the crazy of New York, but also experience new cultures and things. Um, so that is also a priority for me, but I created that for myself. And, um, and then sometimes I just think about like, okay, am I, you know, up to date? Is everything good with like health insurance and stuff? So um, I, I do think about those things too, but I would say like, mm-hmm. I honestly did not think about these things even as a 26 year old. That was mm-hmm. only two years ago. Right. So I, I, I think just, Seeing, especially, I think this past election has really um, got me extra shook because I think just in general, um, as a black woman and a black artist, um, we just know how much our voices um, are just undervalued. Um, so we're, but we're kind of used to it. So we just kind of exist and thrive despite of those things. But now right. I think ever since this specific election, that kind of shook a lot of people. Um, for them to really do the work to understand why, you know, 45 was elected, um, I think it's really kind of also real, made me realize, like, I, I can kind of just ignore what everyone else is doing, but I realize, like, this is more an opportunity more than ever now that more people are getting to adopt more insight to what a lot of marginalized groups are experiencing. I need to be more intersectional and really kind of, think about myself in a collaborative whole of like, well, now what are we going to do? You know, you know, I think, I think as an artist, you kind of just think of how you separately are going to make your own narrative and story and thrive. Um, but I think, I think there's so many opportunities um, in creating a community of people who are not only like-minded, but people who um, have the, opportunity to like expand their thinking as well I I think Mm -hmm. that's partly what we want to do right now and I think uh, what as we keep having a more mixed uh, collaborative community of people who are trying to get things done um, we will see things done I mean we're seeing it right now I mean um, in politics but also like this election I think was the most I've ever when I I I went to, you know, vote um, this midterms, and I don't think I've ever seen as many people powered up to <laughs> vote ever. So it it, it really does um, make me think in terms of a lot of things. There's hope, 
We just see what they will actually come up with to actually yes. make change, to see if it's yes. effective enough for the moment. Um, yes. Womp, womp, it's we'll funny you it said out. that. It's funny you said that because the first time I was like, mm, have we seen change? Like, are we seeing change? But no, you're right. Uh, because, you know, I'll admit this past midterm elections was the first time I voted in a midterm, actually. Um, mm. And the fact that I was like, okay, where are we and what's going on and who's running? And, you know, like it does kind of um, galvanize you and make you want to be a little bit more active and know exactly what's going on because, you know, you don't want things to be passed by, passed on your watch. You know, it's like you do have to pay yeah. more attention. And it does kind of it force you and inspire you to want to um, to dial in a little bit more and be like, okay, wait, who, who are all these people? what's at stake here just because Mm. you know 45 came in with a vengeance like he really kind of just came in and just started just wreaking all types of havoc and it was so unfortunate because it's like you know after eight years of Obama it's just I mean I still don't understand Um, I just don't understand how we could end up with someone like 45 after all those years of hope and inspiration and progress after Obama is just really beyond me. But I guess the, the point, the more of the story, the story of that is that, um, you know, that just kind of, as they say, what that, um, that dug up a really nasty, ugly truth about our country that we're now forced to deal with, you know, and I'm hoping it's one of those things where it's like, it will, you know, it's, it's gotten really ugly um, to hopefully, you know, has to be a turn uh, for the better, you know, I'm hoping. I mean, the fact that there are so many um, women uh, Congress, you know, in Congress now, I mean, that's a great, that's a great feat that we have. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I just hope that as long, and and even people who are of of different, um, you know, sexuality or, you know, we see a little bit more, um, you know, lesbian, trans being elected into office, you know, and as long as we keep electing people who are other and people who are different and people who have interesting perspectives and backgrounds, I mean, I guess that's really what's going to ultimately change kind of like the very conservative I mean, and uh, nature of, of politics. I am really impressed right now with where we're at in terms of grassroots um, campaigning. And I love right now, because um, the internet could be its own kind of devil, but I'm glad in terms of campaigning, a lot of people who would have voted otherwise, they've been utilizing the internet for good. And and like simple things like, okay, well, we have some people trying to, you know, change things with healthcare. I'm like, regardless of the strenuous, multifaceted issue of healthcare, we have things like, okay, we're going to let you know about ACA, you know, a lot of people still don't really exactly know what the Affordable Care Act is. And at the end of the day, it's an opportunity for people to enroll and get health care who wouldn't have had health care otherwise. And we have an administration right now who's, um, for those who don't know, um, they've actually cut advertising to let people know about it and shortened the registration time for it. So I think it started the beginning of November, and now it's going to mid-December. But I, as an ordinary American, for the most part, like I wouldn't have not have known that otherwise if I didn't have, you know, you know, leaders in my community or um, in the community, you know, that advocates for mostly, you know, left, you know, thinking uh, 
policies in Congress, letting people know in social media, we wouldn't have known, like, okay, we need to tell our friends, like, if they don't have health care, they can do those things. So that's something tangibly someone today can do for themselves and acquire. They can acquire health care if, if they didn't, you know. And it's, it's just, it's amazing what's happening um, to allow that to happen where we can just use social media to get more bodies and to be more um, interested in politics, but also realize politics is you. Politics is your life, and you can do things tangibly to improve your life regardless of who's um, running the country. And um, I think it's a very I – think, I think people are realizing more – they have more of a voice and they have more power. And even if they don't have the power or voice singly uh, by themselves – fear finding power in, in the collective. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing. I think so too. Yeah. And it's interesting what you were saying about the Affordable Care Act um, and the advertising, because uh, one thing I noticed with it is that they also now are not requiring for 2019. It seems that you're not necessarily required to get health insurance. And so yes. before when um, Obama was in office, you would get fined. If you didn't have insurance, you would get fined at the end of the year or during tax season. And now they're not doing that. So what that means is more people are going to feel like, oh, well, actually, I don't good. good. I don't need to sign up, you know, for it, uh, right. which, as we know, but, you know, when accidents happen and when people are injured, that just drives up, that just drives everything up, you know. Uh, but now there's like there's no there's nothing being put in place that's like requiring all Americans to have insurance. So, yeah. And then they're also trying to do away with the Affordable Care Act, you know, so. It's just kind of like uh, we don't know. This could 2019 could be, you know, one of the last years of that, you know. And with that, I'm just wondering, what are artists going to do? What are people, low-income families, going to do? Um, it's, it'll be it's just interesting to kind of see what the fallout will be from that. Um, yeah. You know. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean I I will tell people right now, like I am not the richest person. Um, I remember when the opportunity came to. You know, cause, um, Obama had extended that up to 26. You could be under your parents' health insurance. And my mm-hmm. mom worked for, like, the city of New York. Like, she had great health insurance. So I'm, I was riding that baby. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. As you I, should. <laughs> but when the time came, I had to get health insurance. And I was very, you know, concerned about, like, okay, as an artist, you know, in the midst of, you know, just tr- general transportation, living in New York City alone, um, just living expenses, and then also expenses to train and actually do what I need to do as a performer to be prepared for my opportunities. You know, how will I even have extra money to pay for these things? I don't even have extra money to do the things I need to do for my career. Yeah. Um, and then um, I honestly, I was in the subways, naturally, as every New Yorker pretty much is. And I was just seeing a lot of, like, advertisement for um, health insurance. And I realized there were opportunities to have zero copay a month to have it. And I'm like, okay, I'm healthy today, but you know what? I might not be healthy tomorrow. And I'm telling you, it was like the best decision I ever made because the moment I went to my local hospital and realized, you know, they have little kiosks for people looking to, you know, buy or get health insurance. At first I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to qualify for? This is going to be so much money per month. I was able to qualify for something that was zero dollars per month. Like I got the mm. those like simple basic insurance as a young person, but like the, a, a week later I got sick 
and I needed antibiotics. I needed to be seen right away. I had to get an emergency appointment. And I was able to not only get my emergency appointment, um, I had to wait a little bit, <laughs> but I got my appointment and I, I had a, got, needed a prescription. My prescription was $1. Had I oh not been on health insurance, it would have been my specific thing I was looking for. Um, it would have been like for the name brand of it, it would have been $327. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So it's, it's those kind of things where it's like CYA, cover your ass. Uh, I think all of being an adult is about CYA. And I think when it comes to retirement and having just the foundation of the things you'll need for your future, when it comes to, like, um, investing, um, but how do you want to invest, whether it be in um, – doing work for others, whether it be for literally investing in stocks, whether it be investing your time in, like, something that helps uplift your community. I think those are the things we want to focus on our wellness so we can have a legacy. And I think um, if you have to invest a little bit now, it, I think we just need to keep training ourselves to think about, like, how do we want to protect our legacy? We can't make a legacy if we don't have one, if we're not allowed to have one. So um, I, 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 I think we're in a, especially when it comes to just advocating more these days about mental health um, wellness and hearing more about opportunities for people to kind of be involved in their communities or like, I, I, I just think there's, an, there's a lot for us to kind of do. It's just, it's just hard right now because um, sometimes when you're in your own personal circle or you don't have much resources um, monetarily, it's hard to see the opportunities to kind of create your own, you know, path for yourself with some, some security. Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting too, because I definitely want to highlight that for the listeners then. So you just went to your local hospital and you just asked to speak to someone about what the uh, insurance options were and it, you went that, we went that route. Because, see, I didn't so for, even know that you could do that. Yeah, so for me, what I saw was that, like, I looked – well, first I was, like, the little Subway Angels. <laughs> there was, like, a specific um, company that is all over New York City um, that promotes that. They have low copays or none at all. And, like, all right, cheap, free, or something. <laughs> like, it sounds good to me. Because at that point, again, I'm not, like – gravely ill. I just need something because I knew something's better than nothing. And then I looked up, I think I signed up, I, I tried to look online their main website and I realized I could go to, from the website they educated me that I can go in person to a hospital in my neighborhood. So I live in Bed-Stuy, I live in central Brooklyn and my nearest big hospital is Woodhall. So I was able to go to Woodhall and in Woodhall it's massive. Um, they have, like, a whole, like, hallway of this different uh, tables, literally set up, of different types of health insurance. So from the site online, they let me know that there is, like, a whole alleyway, a whole hallway of um, different health insurances that I can go and get information about and see if it's a good fit for me. And when I, I went to a few, I realized one was a good fit for me for what my needs were in the moment. And that's how I signed up. I signed up right there on the table. And then I was able, within a few weeks, get all my information registered. And, um, but I was able to use, with a temporary card or a, I think a letter, right away the services 
So, yeah, it's pretty good. Wow. Okay, interesting. Um, and I'll say that um, for those who are working part-time jobs, um, you know, calculate your hours because if you are working uh, close to, I think it's 1,560 hours, um, then your part-time employer is um, obligated or is uh, required, rather, to uh, offer insurance to you. Now, it will be a part of the Affordable Care Act. It's one of the options um, through, it's like, okay, so it's like the Affordable Care Act, but it's like their, that employer's uh, version of insurance for that, right? So it won't be the exact insurance that the, um, that the full-time employees get, like in terms of coverage, but mm. you do get, there are some coverage options through this other insurance. Um, and I was able to do that last year. And I remember, um, because I was dropped from the more Affordable Care Act, and I was like, oh, my gosh, wait, what happened? Like, how did I just get dropped, you know? And come to find out, it was because I had worked so many hours at my part-time job that my part-time employer was required to, um, you know, give me uh, health care insurance, right? And so at first wow. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is going to be so expensive. Like same thing with you, what you were saying. I was like, I am not going to be able to afford insurance. Like insurance is crazy. And once I got, I figured out what was going on, I only had to pay $11 a paycheck, you know. Wow. Um, and I was shocked, right? And, and I got really great insurance. Like, my insurance was really good in terms of the doctors I was able to go see. Um, now, they still have, it still can be expensive, right? But you have to figure out kind of like what does your insurance cover. And for mine, it covered um, prevented, preventative insurance, right? So that's basically all your, um, your checkups, your, you know, your annual exams, and those type of things, right? Now, if I get sick, I do have to pay a $1,500 deductible, like, which, is, which is a lot more than I would like to pay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you have to pay that first. Like after you end up paying for that, then, then they'll start covering. But um, so I just, so I made that, you know, I, I then knew, okay, so if I'm having issues with this or that, you know, I, you know, that's a different choice I have to make, but at least I can get my annual exams taken care of and annual blood work and, and that sort of thing. And I was shocked because I recently got, um, you know, my medical bills and it showed what the, like what an office visit would cost, what this blood work would cost, what this exam would cost, you know, versus what the insurance covered. And my mouth dropped, like it hit the floor in terms of how much money I actually saved. So that's just something that, and I feel like that's like a little known, uh, you know, uh, a little known fact about if you are a part-time employer or employee that if you work a certain amount of hours, then the part-time employer is required to offer insurance to you. So um, I wow. just, you know, it, I, yeah, so I just kind of like, you know, suggested everyone out there who is uh, working part-time just to kind of see when, how many hours you end up working a year and just look into it, look into it, ask your um, your employer and then just go from there because a lot of times these are things that aren't affecting other people who are artists. So they just don't even, they're just not even really spreading. This yeah. Well, what was that, num- what was that number of that. hours? What was that number it of was hours? 50, I didn't know at that. my job, it was 1560. So I'm not sure. So 1,560 hours. Now I'm not sure if that is just across the board with all employers 
or if that's just with my employer. But I think I think it might be across the board. So and it's for so the yeah. year, right? Yes, it's for the year. And um, usually, what they do, how they do it is, um, and don't quote me on this because it does get really tricky. I think it's interesting that it gets really kind of confusing, you know, but it's like <laughs> if you start, you know, I'm like, uh, okay. So like, if you start trying to be liable. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't want to be responsible for this. Yeah, that's what I'm like, ask your local, uh, you know, <laughs> HR department. <laughs> but one um, actor is like, um, I think you're, you owe me health insurance. Um, how do you right, I know, don't, don't <laughs> Talk about so mind-boggling journeys owes you for your strep throat bill. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> but it's oh, something no. where it's like once you start, right, as soon as you start working somewhere, um, they, it's almost like if you work a certain amount of hours from your start date from and then to a year from your start day, if you work so many hours there, if you work over um, – you know, 15, 60 hours, then you're eligible for insurance in the following calendar year, right? And then mm. from that calendar year, which January, to I think I want to say to October, you have to then work those same hours to keep your insurance. Now, that's the part that's tricky because yeah. it's almost then like, well, wait, you're not counting November, December, January. You're not counting the last quarter of the year. Um, so that's where you can kind of get tripped up and maybe, and potentially maybe lose the insurance because they're like, oh yeah, you don't work the same amount of hours as you worked last year, but it's looking at nine months versus 12 months, you know? Um, and so I kind of ran into that, um, where did you, my did you fall short, can you go back to, um, ACA? Um, if you fall short, yes, you can go back to ACA. You can. Um, for now, because ACA is still there. But again, with Trump, uh, or 45, just 45, mm. with 45, <laughs> with 45 in office, you know, we don't know how long the Affordable Care Act is going to be doing what it's doing now. So, yeah, especially for re, so, yeah. for, technically, if you're out, you're technically a new member again, even if you, you were yes, exactly. So, what and they're doing for new members, bit. I see. Wow, mm-hmm. that is yes. jarring. So it's like yeah. a whole new application. It's like you're basically starting from scratch, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but at least it helped, so in my situation, at least it helped have a conversation with my current employer. Like, well, wait, what happened? Why did this happen? What do we need to do for next year, you know? Um, and, you know, it was a really good conversation because then you kind of know you kind of know where you are. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to know what their status is, right, and how, what, how their employer is thinking of them and how they're thinking about the employer so that everybody can make really informed decisions, you know. So right. it's just it's, it's better to know than to not know. And it's interesting because you get notified about everything else, you know, but they're not necessarily notifying you about, um, you know, your hours in terms of like, oh, you know, as a – freelancer and part-time employee, you really want to make sure that you and your manager make sure that you are getting X amount of hours so that you can maintain this insurance. Because at the end of the day, a lot of corporations, they don't want to pay for insurance if you're not a full-time employee. I mean, that's they really for anything. I mean, yeah, I they, my right. very first job as a, as a 16-year-old um, working like after school at this one location, and it was a really great job, um, and it introduced me to, like, my, like, love working with the youth, and I remember, you know, because it's, like, 
New Jersey, minimum wage, you know, we're teenagers. And my mom, because she's, a, you know, uh, you know, a caseworker, she knows about, you know, when anything goes up or when people are like, oh, okay, the minimum wage went up, you, you need to let your point know. Me, the dummy, you know, naive six-year-old, like, oh, I'm just going to call the people from the state and let them know my employer is behind. But I didn't do it anonymously. So I'm pretty sure, like, they got definitely in trouble. And I'm pretty sure, like, my um, – it was a situation where I'm pretty sure, like, my – uh, checks that kept getting lost for like the next four weeks <laughs> were not oh on Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> I'll do the 16 year old, yeah, I'm so serious. But it was, it was so funny. I'm like, oh, this is what people call Because <laughs> <laughs> oh that's when, you know, God. it's hard having those conversations because sometimes people can realize like, you know, like there's something like that can happen. Or maybe someone's scared like, you know, maybe they do have a good relationship with their employer, but you don't know if they're that invested in having you for a longer time. Maybe they realize, ooh, it is money to hold this person on. Yeah, we'll just get rid of her and get someone new. Or, you know, yeah. it's, it could be scary. But I, I think it in terms of, like, your wellness, and especially as an actor, I think we kind of have this, like, you. first of all, to be a performer or be in entertainment, you need to be made of resilience and find ways to constantly trick yourself to be resilient because it doesn't yes. come always easily. So I think even if you, you're scared, you need, to, you need to say what you need to say and um, do it in a respectful manner, which it honors what you need to do um, so that you can be happy working for them and give them the best service you can, but also that they can also um, get what they need from you. So, um, I, I, yeah, like what you were saying about putting it all on the table is very important. Um, regardless if it's hard or if it's, you know, there's consequences for actions, um, you know. And if, and if there's certain things that you're concerned about, you can do it anonymously. Maybe right. do that. Girl, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't yeah. believe they put a boot on your chat, girl. Like, oh, yeah, they played me. I'm like, that. I need to pay for my gas and my car. Um, I guess I can't go to Taco Bell. <laughs> You know, like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I love what you say about um, being an artist, you have to be made of resilience. That is so true. And that even if you aren't, it's almost like you have to be tricked into it. It's, that is the, the no truer words have ever been spoken. It's like there's so many things that I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know I was going to have to be prepared for this. But now that I'm here, I guess I'm going to have to figure it out. And it's true. You're, yeah. I was being tricked into resilience. It's so true. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Because I, I think at one point, I think we as performers, we can do it because we love it. We can do it because we want to get the job. But I think if most people are in it for the long haul or hope to be in it for the long haul, we got to think of it like any other career. It's like, well, what do I need to do to set myself apart so I can bring excellence each round of step I go and the best of my abilities in the moment? And when you realize how much time, energy that is, you – you realize, like, okay, to do all that, there might be a sacrifice on my end. And I think mm-hmm. that if you're ready, I mean, even if you're not ready, but you're willing um, and open to the sacrifice, I think you always realize if you're giving your best, and even when you're not giving your best because things kind of compromise our way, but in the moment when you're just trying to be open to um, all that you can take, 
and really do try to step up to the plate in the moment, I, I think always a new opportunity presents itself. It always does, you know? And I think it's only when you're working and looking for it. Working and actively, you know, looking for it. And then sometimes you're blessed when it, you're not looking for it and it comes your way, but you've usually been working and doing something. <laughs>